The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pile of Scrap from Las Vegas, Nevada, ISRI 2022. We're back in person, and I have the honor of having the president of ISRI, Institute of Scrap Recycling, right? Right. Robin Wiener. It's Robin. great to be here. You're here. This is your second time on Pile of Scrap. I know. I was thinking, you know, Saturday Night Live has, they give you a jacket if you've been on a certain number of episodes. I right? was thinking about that. Yeah, you need to Did do I that. Did I not give you a jacket? No. Oh, or a pin or something. Yeah. Well, you, I notice you are wearing the... I know. The, the, I know. It's you for know. you. <laughs> I wear it a lot. The key to my success is being a chairman. <laughs> oh, back to the scene of the crime. We're back. Vegas. We are. We are. All right. So, Robin, here we are. First time in three years, we're back. I know, I know. How good does this feel for you? It feels absolutely amazing. I got here, my room wasn't ready, so I went down and I walked through the exhibit hall. That's when I ran into you. And one of my favorite things in the world, actually, is walking through the exhibit hall while it's being constructed. I feel like a kid walking around through it. And it's just so much fun to see the energy and see what's going to be built. Um, but I, I'm just thrilled. I can't wait to see everyone. So today when you went to the airport, you go, I want to be at this airport, right? Exactly. I want to I be wanna here. I want to fly. Exactly. With all of my mask on for <laughs> 25 hours, right? Well, maybe not that. But uh, <laughs> but it was. it's really great to be here. And, and walking around, just walking around where the meeting rooms are and where the general sessions are going to be, it, it really brought back a lot of great memories. And I'm just thrilled to be back here. You know, I think this is going to make some of our committee meetings in the governance part starting tomorrow at the board of directors. I think it might be more lively. I agree. I agree. You ready for it? I'm ready. You got Gary O coached up and ready to rock? He doesn't need coaching. He's doing great. (laughs) Is he coaching you up? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, fantastic. All right. So let's, let's, let's talk about, we've been in this pandemic and we've had to navigate so many things Right. and here we are. Some would say we're coming out of it. Some say we're going back in it. Nobody knows. Right. But where are we from uh, from the trade association and, you know, all these years later from being back, now we're in person. But, Robin, what have we done? What are, we, what are the things that are going on? Well, first of all, we're doing very well. Um, I'm really excited. Membership is going gangbusters. Uh, this convention is going to be a huge success. Um, but we've learned a lot over the last two years. Um, we've learned, first of all, what we're capable of. Um, I really wasn't, I didn't know what was going to happen when we went virtual and everyone started working from home and working from their kitchens and their bedrooms. And, um, and you from your attic? Exactly. Is that, is that an attic? Because I always it's wonder where that is in your house. It's an attic. Okay. Um, and it was really, it was an experiment for all of us. And I'm so proud of the members of the staff uh, because we showed what was possible and our ability to pivot and our ability to come through for the members with recycling is essential and allowing members to continue to operate. And we learned to work differently. And we also learned to work in that virtual world. And we knew we had to make a digital transformation at ISRI. But we didn't, this really forced us to make it a lot faster than we would have otherwise. Okay, so I hated it, okay, right. when, when, when some of our people who could work from home right. went away and went home. I absolutely hated it because, right. you know, the creativity, I, I love to be creative, right? right? And when my market, head of marketing was at home and, and this person, it's like, 
to me, it's the person vibe. So here we, here you are now. You're, how often are you back in the office versus home? About twice a week I'm in the office. All right. In a perfect world, you like it like this, or would you rather be back in the office? What's a perfect world of Robin? I think it's still evolving, actually. I don't think we have the answer yet. Um, no, but for you personally, for what, me, what's your take? I do. I surprised myself. When this started, um, when we were hiring people, I would always say, I want them in Washington. I want them in our office. I thought, people can't work from home. I was always against it. And I was really surprised um, by how, how well it could work. And so for me personally, I think that um, I need to be in the office a couple of days a week. I need to be around other people. There's a creativity, certainly. But there all, is also what it has allowed me to do, to be honest, is to think more when I'm, because when I'm in the office, there's meetings, there's always things going there's on. There's confusion in the right. hallway. And to be able to sit in my attic um, and to think and to read and to, um, to have some thoughtful conversations is with people. Is it more quiet for you that way? Yeah. How much more quiet? Because, it's you know, I've more. been trying to call you a couple times to have conversations, yeah. to, which will lead into our next event. And you've just been well, them on the phone. Right. right. You've been the, crazy. Is it lead up to the convention or is this normal now? It comes and goes, but certainly the lead up to the convention has been uh, uh, a lot of calls, a lot of meetings, um, and just a lot going on because a lot of other things were happening at the same time. I remember this convention's a month earlier than it normally is, so it's happening a little different in the cycle, and we have a lot of new staff. And so it has taken a bit longer to, for certain things and certain things that are just second nature. To them or not. Right. So you're having to, you're a little bit of training. Right. So this convention, we are going to have a guest speaker, Michael Smyslansky. And having worked with the rebranding committee as a subcommittee uh, task force, if you will, you know, we, we, we knew what we wanted to do and change for branding and stuff, but we got stuck on wordsmithing. And Smith Lansky, I forgot completely, was when I was chairman in, right. here in D.C. in 10 years ago, right. he gave us some great insights. So yeah. tell us a little bit about what's going on and, and why we're doing it and, right. and what you've seen so far. Well, just to remind everyone, back in, was it 2012? Yeah, it was 2012. 2012. Um, we were looking for a speaker, and I had heard about Michael Meslansky. He's a language expert. He's actually an attorney by trade, but he is a specialist in language. And he's actually, you may remember back in the 90s, I think, with the Contract for America, he was involved with that and the reframing of the estate taxes, the death tax, and just the power of words. He understands how to use words. And so at the 2012 convention, he did a live focus group for us. And all which about, I remember. Yeah, which it was, was fantastic. It was fantastic. And we learned a lot then. And he, we asked him as part of that to tell us afterwards what he learned. And what he learned was he was telling us things in that memo that we didn't really realize how important they were until several years later about how the rest of the world was looking at recycling through curbside. 
through the residential uh, recycling stream, that scrap was a problematic word, that they liked the concept of recycling, but not really the recycling industry. So we had to think about how we were talking about the industry. And at the time, we didn't really focus on and we didn't do a lot of follow-up. And then, as you know, and you all the branding work you were doing, and we realized that, you know, we really have to figure out how do we break through the noise? So How do we get our messages out? Well, yeah, so, you know, this, this podcast is going to post tomorrow. And I think we need everybody at this convention in that room. Because yes, they've got to understand and hear some of the results that he's come up with. Right. They're fascinating. And because they've done a lot, they've looked at social media, they've used actually artificial intelligence to look at literally hundreds of thousands of messages across um, all different social media platforms. They've looked at published media. Um, they've looked at all different forum where recycling and the industry have been talked about. And they're trying to figure out from there, okay, where are the positive messages? What words are being used that actually uh, leave the reader or um, the the audience with a positive feeling about the industry and also an understanding. How do we really help people understand what it is that all of the members do every day? Yeah, so we want to reach, you know, part of this. Okay, we have we have policymakers, regulators, activists, and ISRI members. That and need, the general public. And the general public. You know, we're the choir. Uh, all of us in there, right. so we're the choir, but we've got to get our message beyond the choir right. and get it out there. Exactly. And do you think this this is at this point in time, and I think you believe it because we haven't, but this is vital for the future of us. Oh, it's critical. Think about um, how difficult it is right now for any single message to get out. I mean, think about it years ago, there were just a handful of networks. There were the newspapers everyone read. Uh, there wasn't social media. Now there's so many different ways to get information out. And also, when you think about the space of recycling, the recycling space is now inhabited by so many more stakeholders than it ever was. Think about the brand owners. Think about the manufacturers. Think about um, the policy makers. Everyone who wants, oh, so everyone who wants to be an environmentalist or use themselves right. as an environmentalist, they view themselves as the recycler. Well, we're the original recyclers, and yet we have problems still to this day. We're the original environmentalists, Robin. Got to say that, it that every too, podcast. That as well. That as well. And so we have to figure out a way to get our messages out because right now there's too much noise and we can't cut through it. And so we need to figure out what those words are that we should be using and the words that we shouldn't be using that will capture the attention of the, the audiences we need to capture. Well, I think the vital thing about this is we're going to learn something, and if we if we just it's not really a a big change for us to just start understanding what resonates because right. the word junk right right so many people still the Wall Street Journal you wrote an article see to me the word junk's offensive that was one of my most popular LinkedIn posts right <laughs> yes. but to me it's offensive I agree to me it's on the same level as slurs right. Okay, all the different slurs that offend groups, junk offends right. me as a recycler. I agree. And so I think we've moved past that. So I think Meslansky's talk, what day is he speaking? He's speaking on Tuesday morning. So I, anybody who hears this podcast, they need to be in there and listen to this because this is how we're going to change. Because the way we speak, the way we show our industry, the words we use will definitely change us. 
Yes. And it's going to change us for the better. Absolutely. So tell us with moving forward that so we're looking to change for a positive. What are some of the victories that this trade association has worked on in the last couple of years that, that are real victories for our members and for anybody in the industry, why they're not a member, I still don't know. But tell us about some of Same these victories. Um, there have been a number. First of all, I just start at the beginning of the pandemic with um, getting recycling declared essential, both on the federal level and in the states. That was so critical to allow companies to give recyclers to keep operating. And we were able to do that and to be successful. And that helped the industry stay afloat uh, during those first couple of months. So that was critical. And actually, that effort has continued because what's happening now is we're trying to get recycling as essential resolutions in states across the country to recognize that recycling is a manufacturing industry that is essential to the environment, to the economy, to a resilient planet. And so we need to make sure that everyone's aware of that. And we've been successful in, I think it's 11 states so far. We're also well, we only got 39 more. But I <laughs> sure working. like it on the federal level where Homeland Security could deem our industry. We're working on it. <laughs> we are working on it. Um, and we're also one of the other, obviously, problems that and challenges that members have having, are having has to do with the supply chain and with logistics. And so we have been working for years with the Surface Transportation Board to address a lot of the rail service issues that members have been having. And we were successful in this last year, and I have to call out actually Billy Johnson. Billy Johnson is Israel's chief lobbyist. He's been with us for 17 years. He's phenomenal. And uh, Good job, Billy. Yeah. Hope you listen. <laughs> I'm throwing you some kudos here, bud. He actually was named one of the 100 most influential lobbyists in Fantastic. Washington last year. I didn't year. know that. Good yep. for Billy. Great. He's a good dude. He's a great dude. And he has been so helpful to members. And so he, it, he led the effort with Surf Transportation Board. And as a result, we were actually able to get new rules issued on invoicing with transparency for invoicing, which uh, will hopefully um, help with some of the, the billing issues and the service issues members have had. And actually, one of the things I'm most excited about was we have a proposed rule now that we're working on with STB for reverse uh, demerge uh, so that can charge back the railroads. So when, when, they, they, when they don't pick up those rail cars, instead of charging us, we charge we them. Charge them. So well, that, that'll be that. a game changer. Yeah, and you know it's going to take some time, but we're working on that. There is a proposal out right now, so we're hoping to see some progress on that. We're also looking at the ocean freight issue. So uh, through work, actually, through with members, member is members, we're really active even during COVID, when Congress was not having face-to-face -face meetings. <laughs> still aren't having a lot but um we had a virtual fly-in and as a result of that that helped create some energy to get the ocean reform shipping act you know it's interesting dc is a bubble yeah and because of the pandemic the mass no mass social distancing we can't meet we will meet we won't and then you get outside of dc people have moved on seems like D.C. hasn't. Do you see that changing? Because when we can get in front, when we can go back to the EPAs of the world and go back to meet with the Secretary of Transportation and have face-to-face -face meetings again, don't you think that's going to change for us, help us? Absolutely. I can't wait till that happens. Um, it, it has surprised me, actually, with how conservative, actually, from a health perspective, uh, D.C. and a lot of, actually, the East Coast has been, a lot of the major cities, uh, and D.C. is one of the most. Having said that, 
I'm starting to see now more traffic, more movement, people coming downtown. And I actually saw a petition that actually may be filed or may have already been filed by one of the uh, lobbying groups to try to get actually the Capitol opened again so we could have meetings uh, with our congressmen because that's been a big challenge for us as well. We, well, you know, I, I don't I don't go political on this podcast. Let's just hope we can open up and get because I agree. there's a lot of work and a lot of good still that can be done by meeting people so they can see, you know, Zoom is one thing, but man, when you're meeting people and you feel the real right. needs or the real issues that are right. faced, that industries face, right. I think that's far more drives the point home. Well, and that goes to something you were talking about earlier with um, remote work versus uh, being in the office. One of, I think, the big differences is that trust. To develop trust in relationships, I think you need to have that face-to-face. -face. That's, what's, that's what's missing if you have especially new people uh, that you're meeting. To meet new people over Zoom is difficult. Right. And to develop the loyalty and the trust that comes with having relationships where you're running into each other in the hallway, it's a lot different. So those are some of the victories. What, what do you think is the biggest challenges coming up for our industry? There are, there are a number of them. Um, <laughs> Boy, that doesn't sound so promising. Sorry. I think that's it Sorry. for this episode. <laughs> no, go on, no. tell us. But um, certainly one of them is enforcement. We're going to see more enforcement, I think, with this administration. Um, and so one of the things that ISRI does and we try to do well is helping members with environmental compliance and with safety. And members have made great strides. We've seen that in safety, uh, our safety numbers through the... When yeah, I was chairman... Right. We were the fourth most, was it deadliest or dangerous industry? What, what was the, what's the word? I'd the, say dangerous right now. I think it was dangerous. <laughs> yeah. We possibly were, 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 were checking these numbers. We may not even be in the top 10. Right. We may have moved off the list, which is so, incredible, actually. Well, that's. It shows the commitment. Is, it was the commitment. We were, right. you know, the leadership way before me as chairman. Right. And, and, and you're still, we the safety, the circles, right. uh, circle of safety and, the safety slogan, safely and not all. We've done some great work. So now, right. and we've done a lot of great work environmentally because I know right. Right. what we've done in, in our facility right. based on my involvement. Right. But we got a lot of work to do. We do. Um, you know, I like to say when we talk about the industry that we represent responsible recycling because what responsible means is compliance with the environmental laws. It's uh, focus on workforce safe, workplace safety. Uh, it's focused on sustainability, and I know that that's an issue that you're coming, you've been doing a lot more work in uh, lately, and also community involvement, being involved in your community. And well, you know, this, that community involvement, you know, when I met with Cheryl Coleman, okay, Cheryl was telling us about how companies really need to be more involved with their community from recruiting to put themselves out there. And I went back from that meeting this past summer in D.C., and within three weeks, we had hired a community relations coordinator. Right. And it's huge. It was like when we hired the safety director. Right. Okay? Right. My brother, you know, when we did it, it was like, oh, i got to have safety. So when I go to him, Philip, we need right. a, a, you know, community relations coordinator. Right. He, he took the analogy from safety and says, this is what we have to right. do right now. 
I said, absolutely. So we, we as a company, Sierra right. in our community, you know, helping teachers with supplies. Right. We've done cleanups and we're, we're more involved. And when you get more involved, we recruit more people. Right, for, and, exactly. And, it helps with workforce. And, you know, when I think about one of the biggest transformations I've seen in the industry since I started 30 plus years ago. That long? I, know, I thought it was three weeks ago, Yes, Robert. yeah, right. I was five. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> when I started, the industry's um, stance was to hide that we didn't really talk, we didn't want anyone to know what we were doing. It was fine to just continue what we were doing, what the industry was doing. I didn't want to bring attention to ourselves and thought that was the right way to do business. And now I think there's a greater recognition of the importance of engaging with the community. And what's so interesting to me is that so many companies were doing this in their own ways for years, but not talking about it and sharing it. But to, it is important to share it. Let me know. I want to know when companies are doing this. Well, I, listen, um, I'm, I, I feel we're attacking it at Sierra head on, pull our head out of, our, out of the sand. You know, I've used in a slogan, no grit, no green. That means if you don't have people getting a little bit dirty, we're not going to have a green planet. Right. Recycling isn't necessarily the most glamorous. It's not sexy. Oh, the word recycling. Oh, I put I my cans. But industrial recycling yeah. requires people getting their hands dirty. Right. But without that, we don't have a green planet. Right. And, I, I, and that's why I don't like the fact that so many hide. And you're with you being a proponent of let's no longer we're no longer going to hide we're going to be right. out there in front. Right. I love it, and that goes back to also Ms. Lansky. I mean that's why we need this is the perfect time to be doing that work, because now as we're ready to talk more about all the amazing things that our members are doing, we need to be able to talk about it using the right words, and in order to again break through and get our messages out there. Standards. Oh, hey, this kind of segues into standards. Right. Years ago. We talked about having to have a standard to be an ISRI member, okay? And one of the great, and it's still a solid comment, we want people in ISRI to help bring up some of the people who lack in standards. Correct. And by leaving them out, they may not come up. Correct. I still believe that. Right. One of the, one of the biggest roles I think members have is helping each other. But, and I believe... But, you know, the one bad apple spoiling the bunch? Right. That's true, too, Robin. And it's I'm very conflicted. True. I'm now more conflicted than ever because I know the effort we put in every day. Right. But I see some other people, they need to pick their game up. Let's be honest with it. They need to clean up. And, and being a ISRI member, I think, helps them do that, right? Absolutely. Um, and actually, if you look at just the safety records of ISRI members versus non-members, you'll see that the uh, that ISRI members have better safety records overall. But you're absolutely right. that It doesn't guarantee. Being a member doesn't guarantee that the facility or the company is doing what they need to do, which is why ISRI has an important role. We provide resources. A lot of what we do is compliance assistance, and we have our safety folks that are there to help answer questions, to go on site. We're developing, spending more money on developing environmental compliance sources as well. The first podcast I did with you in D.C., you had a great line. You said, we stop bad things from happening. Right. 
But you know, I think that goes further today. That was more on legislative, and, right. but we can stop bad things happening to our members if they would follow the guidance, right? Right, right. Yeah, we can't do it alone. There's no way we can do it alone. I still remember, I can't tell you the number of times that I have sat in meetings with government officials from other countries when we're dealing with you know, one of our biggest uh, tenants and one of the things that we work very hard on is market access, making sure that members have access to the global markets. Well, to do that, I spent, pre-pandemic, pre spent a lot of time on the road meeting with the Ministry of Trade or the Ministry of the Environment or uh, for or Ministry of Commerce for different countries. And they would often turn to me and ask, okay, so are you, so if someone's an ISRI member, does that mean that you can guarantee that they're a, a good shipper and that they won't be shipping containers full of non-specification material? And I'd have to say no. Um, we can't guarantee that. But certainly what we can do is provide the resources to help members raise performance. That's a great point. By the way. How much do you miss traveling overseas and all that? I mean, we traveled together. When yeah. I was chairman, yeah. Robin, you it. and I were in a lot of places around the world, which was fantastic. Do you miss yes. it? I, you know, it's funny. At first, I'll be very honest with you. At first, I didn't miss it that much. Part of it was it actually gave me an opportunity to spend more time with my family. So that was really nice. Um, but now as I think about getting back on the road, I do miss it. I miss the people. Actually, I miss the yeah. people you know, all I, around the world. I'm sorry we kind of get off on tangent, but it's part of – you know, that's part of what we did at ISRI and what staff does and what you did and members of staff traveling throughout the world. Right. You know, talking about issues and, and stopping bad things from happening right. to the industry as right. an entire, even with our brethren at the BIR. Right. Okay. Absolutely. L let's face it. We've been together on so many issues working yes, side by side. Yep. Absolutely. And they're going to be here. Some of them are going to be here at this A convention. lot of them are going to be here. We've got delegations coming in, not only from the BIR, but we have a Brazilian delegation, an Indian dele uh, delegation from India, delegation from Spain. Uh, we've got – we have uh, people coming in from Nicaragua. We've got from countries around the world uh, that are coming in to be here because it is the biggest show in the recycling industry throughout the globe. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears and talk about we have a brands council at yes. Israel, and part of that is bringing this brand council is because they're making products, right? That they're helping promote as uh, using recycled content, correct? And that we're gonna recycle. But let's talk about plastics for a second. I am personally tired of the narrative. Plastics are the problem. People are the problem. That plastic bottle that somebody makes, they pull it off, doesn't walk off the shelf, doesn't open itself, drinks itself of water, and finds it, walks over to a river, jumps in it, finds its way to the ocean to get into a turtle's mouth. Right. Well, this goes to actually some of those conversations that I've had in other countries. Um, I was in, when I was in Indonesia, actually, I was in Jakarta meeting with the Ministry of Environment and Ministry of Trade right before COVID, actually, or a couple months before COVID. And this is one of the conversations we had. We said, the problem is not recycling. It's not a recycling problem. It's a waste management problem. It's a problem of the uh, materials not being properly managed at end of life and just being dropped by the wayside and working their way into the waterways. Okay. When I was on the island of Corsica, I was, uh, I'll never forget this, a few summers ago. And I'm watching people who have had their lunch. They went up to the bins 
and they literally made sure each product, the glass went in the glass, the plastic went in the plastic, the paper went in the paper. But you know, in this country, it sickens me how often I take photos and I post it about people just throwing their crap on the ground. When do we, when do we start attacking the people person, the people problem? Because that narrative, we got to change the narrative. Well, and actually, it's funny you mention that because one of the things we did early on in COVID, we got a phone call from EPA that they were seeing an, a problem with masks being dropped all around and gloves. Yeah. And we're doing some videos on it, but also you use it as an opportunity to promote all those Amazon packages. Let's get them into the recycling stream. Um, so we help them with some of that messaging. We need to get Amazon to ship their products in recyclable products, not that half paper, half plastic crap that cannot be recycled profitably. Come on. We I, need, we, we, you know, okay. Now we, we pushed a button with old John here. I'm upset about the pizza box issue. I put out Super Bowl commercials about the soup, the pizza box being recyclable. Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John's, um, whoever else is out there. You've never once seen a commercial. Where's their responsibility to tell the public, hey, the product that we deliver to your house that has that pizza that you're going to enjoy, help us to keep our environment clean and don't put it in the trash bin put it in the recycle bin. You I know, a lot of these people aren't doing their, their job. But I will tell you, one of the great things about the Brands Council, which you mentioned, we now have, I think it's five or six brands now that are members, including Starbucks, Unilever, Colgate Palmolive, uh, McDonald's, and uh, Keurig, Dr. Pepper. And they're all committed to working with us and raising more awareness. And they are sending very positive okay, messages well, out there. We need more. I agree. We and need to work with this. Right? You know, we, Look, it's a stepping stone. It is. It's a journey. It All of this is a journey. It seems like safety is a journey. Working with the, the policy, it's always a journey that we're on. I agree. But I, I think that part of the problem also, to be honest, is that there isn't, there's no panacea for some of these challenges. Um, I think especially as Americans, we tend to think there's one, there's one solution. If we do this one thing, it'll all be better. No. And that if you look at the, whether it's a plastics issue or packaging issue, there's several pressure points along the system. There's an issue with collection. We don't have the, the collection system in some communities that we need. Right, the outlying um, communities, real small town America. Absolutely. They don't have the ability to have a MRF. Right. There's an issue of uh, education. I, I say this all the time. I've said this actually in congressional testimony. There are times I've stood in my own kitchen and looked at a box and had no idea whether or not I should put it in the recycling bin or in the trash can. Well, you know the saying, when in doubt, throw it out. Exactly. And I do follow that and all my kids know it. <laughs> but see, but, that's the problem because so much of the stuff, right. the pizza box, it gets thrown out. But in that's in Moscow, Idaho, right. you're, they don't allow the pizza box in their recycling right. facilities. Well, and that's another challenge in this is that every community has their own system and they have their own collection criteria and they may ship to a paper mill that for all i know may not handle it so um it is very regional or very local um but pratt but and, and and uh west rock right they're you know, all promoting it they're promoting it but and they can handle it there's no doubt well, yeah. okay but they see, see this is the beauty of this trade association there's such a journey we're on right and we it, the more people that get involved right the louder the message 
Right. And the good things that can happen. Right. Is going to get out there. Absolutely. And, you know, you asked about challenges earlier. And this has really been also a fascinating journey the last few years for me because, you know, the first 20 years or so, <laughs> it's 25 years, the focus has been on the industrial and the commercial stream. When um, in the last five years or so, there's been much more focus on that residential stream. And even though the residential stream is less than 20% by volume, it's what everyone pays attention to. That is correct. And so that's where all the noise is. And the number of players in that space is tremendous. And that's the huge challenge for us. Because if there's an issue, issue in the industrial commercial, we can have a conversation with the steel mills. We can have the conversation with the aluminum smelters. We can have those conversations because we know who the players are. There are so many players in the residential space giving off so many different messages that it makes it so much harder for us to play in the space, which is why, again, I keep on going back to Ms. Lansky, and it, he's not a panacea, but, he's a, but it's a big part of it. Look, if we can crack the door. Right, exactly. Right? Get exactly. the nose underneath the tent. But it, Exactly. And the Brands Council is part of the solution because we can now have conversations directly with the brands about packaging design, which we weren't able to have before. So there's a lot of different ways that we're trying to tackle this. Well, you know, and, and see, that's the thing. This is one thing about this trade association. You know, you may win something here, all of a sudden, boom, new challenge over here. There's always yes. seems to be a new there challenge, is. right? Right. Well, you know, I, I, it drives me nuts when people don't join Isri. Me too. Why wouldn't they join? I don't well, know. What is it? What, 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 what have you found over the years? Because to me, you can't do it alone, but together, the louder our voice is, the more we get done. Absolutely. Well, I think that the other thing is that um, one of the things that's very important to me when members join, when we get a new member, I say, I want you to be involved. Because the only way to really understand the tremendous value of Israel membership is to get involved, to go to programs. And now it's so much easier because some of the programs are virtual. But it's, it's, to, make, it's to develop the relationships. It's to get involved in our committee structure. And now is the perfect time to do that, actually, because we have a new set, a new board coming in. So actually, how do we the reach these people? That's one of my questions I got right. How do we reach more businesses to join how, how we what are we working on well we're working on certainly social media well that's a lot of it and and through dialogues like this that are going to be out there um we are out there we're more present in a lot of these conversations that are occurring uh we've got a great membership team now um who actually i hear with, our new recruitment's been off the charts good it's been um, this is actually we've had record recruitment in the last several months uh we've the road is 1600 we're getting there we're Not the there. White House, 1600 no. Pennsylvania <laughs> yeah. Avenue, right? We've had over 100 new members in just the first three months of, of the year. Boy, can you imagine if that would play out for the rest of the year? That would be, be fantastic. Amazing. Be amazing. And they're coming in for a number of different reasons. Word is getting out, which is great. Um, also, we're doing a lot more in the paper and plastic space than we ever had. So we're getting a lot more of the recyclers in that space. We're getting our brands um, and certainly all of the equipment manufacturers who are thrilled that we're back here in Las Vegas for a convention. Well, it, it, look, as an exhibit, you know, I wear both hats. Right. Sierra, we are a recycler. We have right. been since 1959, 63 right. years now we've right. been a recycler. We've been an equipment provider since 1984. 
uh, and manufacture. So right. yeah, it, it's just great to be back here. It is. It is. I mean, the back. excitement going to Israel. I, I'm I pumped. Are you happy? I mean, you I pumped. am. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see everyone. Do you get to have fun this week? I mean, because listen, I know what you do right. at a convention, from the governance and then to all the programming. Right. Gonna have any fun? Does he get yeah. to have fun, or just being here is gonna be fun for you? Being here is gonna be fun, and you know what's gonna be fun? Seeing people I haven't seen. So you know, I love to hug people. So <laughs> it's it's you know, hugging people I haven't seen the longest time. It'll be so terrific. And I'll tell you a story. I don't know if I've ever told you this before. The staff know this, uh, especially as I was telling all the new staff. And as you know, we have new staff because there's been we some staff it. that have left, and so it's not necessarily growth of staff. But anyway, we have a lot of new faces, and so telling them what to expect. And one of the stories I tell them is that it's so much fun seeing everyone because the relationships are so important here um, that by the, me, the introvert, by the time I get to Thursday, the last day, and people start going home, I'm like, I get sad. It's like this downer. Where are all my friends? Where they all go? So it is. I do understand. There that. is a high that happens when there you're is. here. There is. You know, I was talking to Bruce Blue. And we were talking about L.A. when we had the, the convention in L.A. Right. when I was chairman. And after all the day, after that last day's right. programming ended, we were walking back. And there's that melancholy feel right. to it right. because it's like, where'd ah, everyone go? It's over. Right. But what a great, oh, what a great yeah. time. Well, I want to wish you the very best this week. Thank you. You too. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I, agree. I, I know I it's going to be awesome. Right. But I, you know what? We got election coming up. We do. Neil Bice, and Joel, Joel Littman, right? Isri wins either way. Absolutely, they're both terrific. Yeah, this big election. I mean, this could yeah. be fun to see. Yep. Are we doing it virtually too? Can people vote virtually or not? Or do you have to be here? Um, we did end up allowing board members to vote virtually if they can't be here on Thursday, but they had to register in advance. Did they? Yes, we had a couple. We had just a handful. Most are going to be here all week. Well, stand by. If you're a board director and you got to right. vote, stay here the whole time. Absolutely. What the heck? Enjoy Vegas. You get out. Yeah. You finally get to get out. Do some great networking. Absolutely. Learn a lot in all our workshops. It'll be great. Robin, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. From the lovely suite of yes. Gary and Deborah's room. It's amazing. Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. That's one of the perks of being a chairman. You, yes. Everybody should want to be an officer. Yeah. Just to have a room like this. Right. But it's awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for your continued leadership at ISRI and navigating us through an unbelievable time and navigating us into the future. It's, it's always great to see you. Always great to be with you. I thank love you this. so much for being here. Thank you. I love this industry, so thank you. And I thank love you. it too. <laughs> and that's you. it for another episode of Pile of Scrap from Las Vegas at ISRI 2022. Come join us. It's going to be a blast and you're going to have fun seeing your friends and what the hell, it's going to be great. That's simple. It's going to be great. It is. That's it. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.